Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. Hey everybody, welcome to another team preview installment of 48 Minutes brought to you by the 48MinutesNetwork.com. This time we are going to New York, we're going to stand on top of Lady Liberty, and we're going to scream, let's go Knicks, next to Spike Lee, as it is for the first time in 48 Minutes History, a New York Knicks team preview episode. I am Tim Daniel, with my pod partner, my right-hand man as always, Sean Mackey. Sean, in this case, we're going to say you are the, would you say you are the Charles Oakley to my Patrick Ewing? Uh, yeah, I'll take that, I, I still like Oak. Okay. Cool. Awesome. I like He's it. He's kind of I, I like I like grumpy hard asses. So because <laughs> that, that's that's what I'm growing into right now since I'm I'm almost 35. Exactly. That's right up your alley. Exactly. I, I, yeah, I identify with him. So yeah. <laughs> and joining us to talk to Knicks on this week's episode, uh, you can check him out. He's the digital media director of the Gotham Sports Network and hosting Nothing But Knicks podcast. This is a really good podcast. If you haven't listened to it before, you got to check it out. He is on Twitter at Claudio underscore GSN. Mr. Andrew Claudio, welcome to 48 Minutes. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that appreciates Charles Oakley and all his grumpiness. <laughs> you know, taking chips off the table in Vegas. Listen, listen I'm, I'm talking on the court, Charles. <laughs> and you could and, and you in the stands, right? Worst bodyguard and a worse partner to be in at Vegas when mm-hmm. you're pulling up all of your late night shenanigans than Charles Oakley. Okay, if, you're if, absolutely if, right. It, you will find you'll be hard pressed to find somebody that isn't team Oakley in the New York area, especially when it comes to him versus a certain team owner. But I won't get into Jim <laughs> Dolan while, while I'm here. Well, that's so funny because I always talk about this just about everyone. So when we grew up, you know, we're in the Cincinnati area, so we don't have an NBA team around. The Pacers are decently close. The Cavs are close. The Grizzlies are close. But, you know, we started watching basketball in the 90s. So, of course, we're, we grew up as Bulls fans. And Oakley is obviously, like, even Oakley for his, like, total of maybe four years in his stints with the Bulls, Bulls fans still love the hell out of him, too. It's, it's, it's like, Oakley is universally loved by everyone but NBA front offices, it feels like. Well, what's amazing about Oakley's relationship with Bulls fans is that he's Michael Jordan's best friend, or one of Michael right. Jordan's best friends. Yeah. But he's also a pivotal part of Knicks history in the battles that the Knicks had with the Bulls in the 90s. Charles Oakley was there for all of them. Like, guys shoved and got a flagrant foul, a 90s flagrant foul, on Horace Grant in Game 4 of 92. Like, they hated each other when during the Riley-Knicks era. And I, I'm, it's interesting, the revisionist history. He's now, like, one of LeBron's best friends, too. Right. He's a fan of all-time great players. If you're a friend of Charles Oakley, you must know that you're doing well for yourself. Yeah. So it's been about like twenty four years now. Can can you guys finally admit that the thing on Pippen was a phantom foul? The nine. What is that? The the ninety four phantom foul. Yeah. Phantom yeah. Foul. I I mean, yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, 
maybe. I, so here's maybe. the thing. I will gladly admit that if I then can go back through history and point out every phantom foul on Michael Jordan. <laughs> also, no. talk about no. phantom no. fouls. How about the Pippen non-calls where he basically smacked Charles Smith in the face four or five times while Charles Smith was trying to make a layup in game five and 93. So no, I will <laughs> fine saying that the ref made a call or didn't make a call and you moved on (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be a fun show i'm excited for this so andrew before we do get to talk about the current knicks and we don't have a whole episode we have a bulls knicks banter from the 90s because we could definitely do that and it would be fun um tell us a little bit about gotham sports network what you do there talk about nothing but knicks um, like I said, I listened to your show two or three episodes before we had you on. I really like what you do. So you were like you were you were option one for us to get an index guy on the show. So talk a little bit about your product. Well, I appreciate it for one. I thank you for listening. Um, so Gotham Sports Network, we try to embody the New York sports fan while also having a hint of professionalism. Like we have guys that work in the industry that also work for Gotham, and yeah, we're all covering quote-unquote the specific teams that we root for but we also try to do it in a in a unbiased and a level-headed and put a perspective into our conversations and our topics uh we've got a different show a different podcast which is when i came in i showed up in july uh january 2016 and they were just a blog with a very big twitter following that they gained because the Mets went to the World Series in 2015, and they kind of created themselves right before the playoffs started and gained some traction there. Uh, I showed up with an idea of a podcast network, and we've kind of run with it since. We have a different show for every New York sports team, whether it be the New York Giants, who are supposed to have a big year with a high-powered offense this year. I'm a Jets fan. I'm very much looking forward to the Jets this year and their new quarterback that Hopefully, we'll end the long streak of bad quarterbacks in my franchise's history. Uh, there's a Mets show that I also host as a Yankee show. They're on the, uh, hopefully a run to the playoffs this year, or potentially a run to the playoffs this year. That's more than just one game. Uh, our Rangers show and our Islander show is really good. And then I host the Knicks show, Nothing But Knicks. It's anywhere from Tuesday to Thursday during the season. We've been taking a break because... There's really not much since Summer League unless you want us to spend a whole episode on Ennis Cantor against Spencer Dinwiddie, which it ends with the Nets have been irrelevant since they <laughs> won the jersey at the end. Spencer Dinwiddie, the only reason I know that you play for the Nets is because I live in New York. I'm surprised if anybody outside of the Tri-State area knows you exist. Uh, but that's the other thing. We actually don't have a Nets show because they don't count. Like the New Jersey. We still <laughs> always are New Jersey. That's an executive decision that we made. So uh, that's Gotham Sports Network, and that is more specifically nothing but Nick. So my co-host, Jeremy Cohen, and I, we do different episodes each week. We have uh, different guests from the New York area and around the NBA. Uh, I've had Howard Beck on multiple times. I got to know him very well during my internship in college. So that was very cool. And that is cool. Today, he's been gracious enough to come on the show a few times. Um, so, yeah, check it out. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Man, you're, uh, you you sound like me at the end of our show as I introduce all of our channels. So, Andrew, <laughs> let's talk. After a while, right? <laughs> let's get right into the Knicks, man. As a matter of fact, let's get right into the obvious thing every Knicks fan is talking about. Kevin freaking Knox. Mm. What a summer league performance. 
Um, you guys were for some reason, your Nick fans at the draft were saying they wanted Michael Porter. No one wanted Michael Porter. Come okay. on. Hold on a second. Because uh, nobody wanted Michael Porter, not even Nick's fans. Like, not, not a single conscious, level-headed, <laughs> informed Knicks fan wanted Michael Porter Jr. The problem that's been going around that Knicks fans are actually getting very edgy and uh, uh, it, it's a quick reaction about is when people say, can you believe they booed Kevin Knox on draft night? No, because all they did was ESPN <laughs> put the camera on that stupid little kid that <laughs> and he and his dad, who was probably the worst father ever because he keeps <laughs> Putting his son on television to become a laughing stock. Okay, uh, they were booing the pick of my of Kevin Knox. Meanwhile, the rest of the garden. My buddy went to the draft that night. The place erupted with cheers for Kevin Knox. I, by the time I was done with my draft analysis, I either wanted Colin Sexton or Kevin Knox, and I was pleasantly happy with it. So, I just want to set the record straight for all of Cincinnati and all of your listeners. <laughs> Fans wanted Kevin Knox, and we are pleasantly happy that what we wanted has, at least through summer league, as much stock as you could put into it. It looks as advertised as we got. We've got we got one. We finally benefited from not tanking and ending up with a nine pick, and somebody fell to us at number nine. Yeah, I mean he's so talented, he's so good, and he does a lot of things right. Obviously, the summer league performance shows that. But then the second round, you guys get Mitchell Robinson, who obviously has an interesting time with Western Kentucky and not playing and everything that happened there because Rick Stansberry is a greedy, greedy, horrible human being. And then second round, he looks like he's going to be really good too. So how happy are you with what the Knicks did on draft night? Oh, I love it. And the thing about Mitchell Robinson, I've – I mean, I think I said this in the last episode of Nothing But Knicks. If if he played – out of any school, his freshman year last year, he probably is a lottery pick based on his his athleticism, based on his uh, defensive ability. Like the the plays he was doing in summer league, where he'll be under the basket guarding somebody, and then is still able to block a three pointer by taking one step and a jump. That's not something that I've ever really seen. I don't know if that's just the fact that he's playing against guys that don't know how to do a pump fake in summer league but at the same time his athleticism that was the biggest thing that stood out to me in summer league it's a fact that kevin knox's offensive game it's there he can create his own shot he can spot up from three he can get to the rim all of that looks great but then mitchell robinson the knicks look like they have a guy that next to porzingis that no one's gonna make a layup it's gonna be a no layup rule and you'll have porzingis able to play the wing while mitchell robinson is playing down low so I, it's a lot of signs for positivity with Knicks lately, which is weird. It's a weird feeling because the last decade or so has been kind of brutal. It's been very brutal for you guys. Like I, I as even as a Bulls fan, I feel feel very sorry for you, especially with the Isaiah Thomas stuff that went on. Like I mean, it goes back for me, like thinking about like the 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 contract that was given to Eddie Curry, and of course, yeah. most 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 recently, Mr. Joakim Noah. Sorry, guys. Mm. Oh, it's brutal. The but, uh, pain of my existence. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope they, I hope they retire his his jersey in Chicago. He was a he was a great player for that team. But I mean, to throw that much money at him. I mean, we weren't even we were done at that point. Like we were like, that's ah, fine. You go, you go. You're not fitting into this. So um, I don't want to talk about Joe Kim Noah. Thank so, you. 
<laughs> You're welcome. So uh, I want to talk about your rookie from last year, Frank Nilakina. So he's, he plays in 78 games last year, um, has kind of an up-and-down year, averages 5.9 points. Uh, he's got great size for a point guard. Um, what do you expect from him this upcoming season? Well, I want to see how Coach Fisdale uses him. And uh, it's not necessarily a criticism on Jeff Hornacek, but it is a little bit puzzling to me why he was never used consistently as a one. He was drafted as a point guard. He was drafted as this athletic six foot six point guard with a seven foot wingspan. And he was supposed to be great defensively. And he's shown signs of that. Like he's got the fu- he's got a future first team all NBA. Uh, accomplishment in his future. I've, I, I've never been more convinced of something as far as his career goes. Um, what I'd like to see this year is him play the one consistently. Last year, they went through this rotation of Trey Burke and Jared Jack and all these veteran point guards that kept take, making him play off the ball. And I, as much as I honestly think Frank is a limited offensive player, I think he's someone you pair with a Kyrie and the the ceiling for Frank Nilakina is like Drew Holiday, where he learns how to be a spot up shooter. He's the best defender on the other side of the court as far as the perimeter goes, and he can guard the other team's point guard while your point guard can kind of rest because he's going to be a more of an offensive threat on the other end. Um, and that's his ceiling. But as far as this year goes, where it's kind of a wash because you're kind of not playing for much until Porzingis gets back. Um, I'd like to see if Nilakina can be a a shoot-first point guard. And that's like the biggest fight I've had with other Knicks fans, including my co-hosts. I don't think Frank has that high of an offensive ceiling, and they think he's going to be like Kawhi, but a point guard version. And it's like, no, I I think he's a limited offensive player. Like He had this decent game in Summer League where he got 15 points, and like that's his ceiling, 15 points in Summer League, not – a two-way player that's going to end up scoring 20 points a game one day. So you mentioned the other point guards um, that that were obtained. Uh, they were kind of all castaways from other teams. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, um, Trey Burke, and at one point last year, Emmanuel Medier as well. Um, so um, how do you feel like these guys are going to fit into the system now? Like you, you're saying that you think you think Frank needs to be playing point guard. Most of the season's not going to matter till Porzingis gets back anyway. Why not run him at point guard? See what he can do. Let him grow. How do you feel about them playing these other two point guards? Well, that's the the puzzling thing for me, and the thing I'm I'm interested to see what they do in training camp and what they do. Uh, first couple weeks of the season through the preseason, you name it. Um, I'm interested to see what the final roster is because, like, you have Emmanuel Moutier, you have Trey Burke, you have Neil Aquina. Like, those are your three point guards. You also have Ron Baker. You also have Tim Hardaway Jr. You also have Courtney Lee. Like, they're so overloaded at guard right now. Yes, that they are. I'm so – I'm a little lost. And, like, you still have Damian Dotson who – is, is probably the guy with the biggest upside. I think he's the perfect sixth man off the bench to come in and get you a quick 10 points. Um, but how is he going to get minutes when you have all these other guards in the way? So uh, I'm, 
I think Trey Burke being on a one-year deal, and as well as Emmanuel Mudiay, his contract is technically expiring. Uh, these are guys that they can cut at any point and move on from, or trade at any point and move on from. Whereas with Neil Aquina, I mean, they gave him a majority of the, the ball handling in Summer League. Everything you hear from Fisdale is that he wants to see what Neil Aquina is. Uh, he's also been very supportive of Moutier, though, and he's going to fix that shot is what he says. Like, we're going to get in the gym and we're going to work. Emmanuel Moutier is what he said at his opening presser conference. So I'm, I think that could be the plan is to try and develop two young point guards that one who is only in his second year and is only 20 years old. Frank Nilakina. And the other one, Emmanuel Moutier, is 22, and he's going to have to start showing that he's more than just a backup point guard that can't finish at the rim. So uh, I, like I said, though, they have such a, a glut at guard right now that uh, it's a good thing they don't plan on contending this year because they're not. So, <laughs> so <clears throat> you mentioned earlier, and I know we're going to probably jump right into it because it's going to be the topic throughout the year. You mentioned earlier that right. Frank's ceiling with a Kyrie Irving is <laughs> something that can be very high. Now, it feels like the Knicks are the Lakers of this year. What I mean by that is two prominent free agents, three if you count Jimmy Butler, have been linked to potentially being New York Knicks next year because of the cap space, and everyone wants the Garden to come back, and everyone wants the Knicks to be good again. And I agree. I want the Knicks to be good again because it's great for the league. So, the two biggest names linked there are Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So, Andrew, <clears throat> I ask you the same question we asked Lake, uh, Silver Screener Rules Harrison Fagan last year about LeBron James. How confident are you that the Knicks could end up with Kevin Durant and slash or Kyrie Irving? Well, what was his answer to LeBron? I he wasn't sa- very confident at the time. Really? Yeah. The writing was on the wall from last summer that LeBron was going to L.A., Okay. Um, okay. So Kyrie Irving, I'm at. It's a fifty-fifty thing. Um, I've heard. I've done my due diligence on the research. I've heard all of the rumblings that he's from New Jersey, and that is, he's got family that wants him to play for the Knicks, and uh, the the Celtics might want to move on because of his injury history and not offer him the max, and uh, how Kyrie would love to come play in the Garden because he grew up a Knicks fan and all of that. But at the same time. If it really is just about winning and staying comfortable, um, I think you stay in Boston. Like it's just it really is just about like if the whole point of leaving the Cavs was to go build something of your own, then go play in Boston. The only real case to I see Kyrie leaving the the Celtics is if it completely self destructs this year um, when he tries to go back into the offense and take shots away from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and everything they built last year, um, in Boston throughout the playoffs. Cause like, say what you want about Kyrie Irving. I love him. I think if Same. You pair him, I think if you pair him with the right two guard, that is more of a defensive minded two guard, like a Frank Nilakina or a Courtney Lee, um, he can be deadly. Like the, the thing about Golden State and why they work so well, yeah, they have three of the best shooters ever. But before Kevin Durant even got there, on defense, Steph Curry never guarded the other team's best point guard. It was always Clay Thompson. Um, yeah. If Kyrie had a defensive minded two guard, like right now, he has Jalen Brown, you can kind of hide him on defense so that way he doesn't have to work as hard. 
Um, I think he'd be perfect for the Knicks if he would have come over here. So the only way Kyrie comes here, though, is if it completely self-destructs in Boston and they want to go a different way. As far as Durant goes, um, I think you said Durant. I know it's, yeah, I did. Jimmy, it's Jimmy Butler, Durant, and Kyrie. Kyrie, I'm 50-50. Kevin Durant, I'm at like a 20%. I... I challenge anybody to tell me that they actually know what Kevin Durant is thinking at any time. Like he's just, there are times when I think he's kind of fed up with how little respect he gets from Golden State, how they kind of just, Kevin Durant's on their team, but that's still Steph's team. You know, uh, the thing that happened with Joe Lacob at the at the party, um, at the party, not Joe Lacob even the Bob Myers, the when he said the thing at the parade about Durant, and it's like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, uh, I really wonder if he's gonna care what we think and how the narrative really hasn't changed about his legacy, and it's that he went to a 73-win team, and of course you won two championships, and if he wins a third, is he going to get tired of hearing the, like, we still don't look at, like, these are tainted. Like, he can try to say, we don't care what you blog boys say or whatever, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the best 15 basketball players ever, but his rings, they're not going to, through time, uh, the narrative isn't really going to change. It's always going to be, yeah, there was this three or four year run where Kevin Durant went to a 73 win team and the league was kind of uh, a, a, a very predictable for a couple years. And <laughs> if he actually wants to change that, I've heard all of the ties, like how he's, he gave Kristaps Porzingis the unicorn nickname. His manager is a huge Knicks fan. I would love to draw him there. Um, he and Kyrie are apparently best friends. If you listen to all of the podcasts that he and Kyrie did with Bill Simmons, um, why wouldn't they go team up in New York? Uh, and it's New York city. Like Rachel Nichols has been on this thing about how the next big thing, like it was, who's going to win Cleveland a championship. When's Durant going to win his first, where's LeBron going to go now? Who's going to bring the Knicks back? And the next, like maybe Durant's that guy. Um, I'm at like a, a 15, 25% though. I, I think, I think he doesn't care. Like he just wants to keep winning. Like he doesn't care if he, I could see Durant playing for the league minimum next year. Cause he makes so much money for Nike. That's how weird of a dude that is. Like <laughs> I'm just a, a random blog boy that likes to tweet about basketball. I watch more than the alleged blog boys that he talks about. So I, I like to say I'm informed, but the fact that, at any moment, Kevin Durant could reply to a tweet of mine, and it actually be Kevin Durant is just weird to me. So I don't think he necessarily <laughs> cares about legacies and whatnot. Um, and then, last but not least, to make a a, a long answer even longer, Jimmy Butler. I think the options are there. Like I heard an interview with um, I forget uh, who the rapper was, but he was having a conversation with Michael Rappaport. And he said he was at a party with Jimmy Butler, and he said if the Knicks clear cap space, they could absolutely get Jimmy Butler. I just don't see how that makes sense if the Knicks have Kevin Knox, and they have a, a future set on Kevin Knox. True. Jimmy Butler, Kevin Knox play the same position. We saw how badly that worked in Minnesota when he and Andrew Wiggins tried to play in the in the on the wing and two ball dominant guards slash 
small forwards tried to coexist and he just he does not play well with two guards that or threes that are ball dominant so i honestly don't think i necessarily want jimmy butler um i think he's great but i'd rather see what kevin knox develops into the knicks would need a four that can be a stretch five so he can play with porzingis which they might have found with mitchell robinson or they need a point guard depending on what frank nilakina is so that's why Kyrie or Kevin Durant in a perfect world is who I would look forward to. That is my monologue, fellas. I apologize for no, no, that's what we wanted. That's for sure what we wanted. Um, I have this thing where I cre- where I put a player in a status I call garden guys, and what I mean by is there a guy that if you put in the garden, they have a night where they go nuts. They're just okay. fun, exciting guys. So. You know, with Doug McDermott's shooting ability, I thought he was a garden guy because if he could have a night where he goes off for 35, the garden guy's going to go bananas. I think Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are the ultimate garden guys, besides LeBron James, of course, but, you know, you can put him in any arena and he's going to blow up. But I always felt like Durant and Kyrie were just those, like, ultimate garden guys and maybe, like, a J.J. Redick because if he played for the Knicks and he had, like, a 35-point game where he was hitting all his threes, that place would be insane. Spike Lee would probably run on the court, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll even go a step further. The, the Knicks have a lot of legends that weren't actually that good because of the Garden and how they made the Garden go off, like you were saying. Like, Nate Robinson had, like, four or five games where the Garden just went bananas because he was going off that particular night. Jamal Crawford had nights like that. One of the greatest Knicks ever who probably shouldn't have been, like, a wouldn't be a starter in today's NBA, John Starks. He's one of the greatest Knicks ever, one of the most beloved yeah. Knicks fans, uh, Knicks uh, players by most Knicks fans uh, of all time. And he really was just a scrappy two guard that would explode for 25 points every now and then. Um, Melo, I think, is the ultimate test case for that because we would ignore a bad quarter or a, a seven for 25 night if the next night he went off for 30 and you know, had four threes in a row. Um, but yeah, I like that garden guys. I think the ultimate, maybe he's not, he's not available, so it's different, but if Steph Curry ever put oh my God. one of those 11, oh. like he had that 11 three pointer game on the road against the Knicks a few years ago before all of this dynasty started and the garden still went nuts. Like as an opponent, he became a garden guy. So garden guy t-shirts coming soon, guys. We'll put them on the website. <laughs> I like it. I our, like it. It's our collaboration with the Gotham, Gotham Sports Network. Garden Guy t-shirts. Uh, Gotham and Cincinnati. Merch coming <laughs> soon. There you go. <laughs> so, Enos Cantor is coming back. Um, this guy's had kind of an interesting NBA career. Um, I will say, uh, here in Cincinnati, uh, we... Tim and I both, we actually live in northern Kentucky. We don't actually live in Ohio. Oh, okay. So, so in in Kentucky, people are absolutely nuts for Kentucky basketball. Like, it's it's a sickness. I am not – Tim. I wouldn't say Tim is either. We, not even we'll close. Watch game, yeah, yeah. We're not like – we're not wearing big blue stuff or anything like that. We'll watch the games because we like to see the prospects that come out of there. It's just a great basketball program. But besides that, the, the majority of the fans here are just – Awful, awful, awful people. Really? So, okay. <laughs> so, so um, basically, uh, I remember last year the the Knicks ended up uh, playing on Christmas, and um, 
because Enos Cantor was originally slated to go to the University of Kentucky, the family get-together that I went to... because of this reason and to me that's absolutely just crazy but they acted like you know Enos Cantor was you know the best player on the court which <laughs> which wasn't wasn't even which wasn't even true but that's that's really how how things are here um so he's had a so-so uh you know NBA career but he he's he's gotten LeBron James's face a few times, so mm -hmm. uh, which I, which I love. I love somebody who who goes at the king. That's what I loved about Joakim Noah years ago that he 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 went at LeBron because you know nobody else would challenge him about anything. So he's coming back. Obviously, uh, probably these first couple months uh, with Porzingis out, he's probably going to be a little bit of a a bigger part of the the offense. Um, do you think we've seen like? complete ceiling Enos Cantor at this point or are we have we leveled out with him I, I think absolutely you've seen his his ceiling um I I think you could do worse at center with when it comes to Enos Cantor I think he's really a the way Oklahoma City used him was perfect he's a backup center that can't defend to save his life but could get you 12 and 11 in his sleep and I've i I've said this about Cantor, and it's the perfect way I could describe him. Uh, your opinion changes on him on every play. So, for example, he will have an incredible offensive rebound where he goes up and dunks it, and he and one, and you're like, oh, Cantor, you know what? Give him a max extension. The guy embodies New York. He loves it here. And he's such a, a great rebounder, and he, he's pumping up the crowd. He's awesome. There you go. I'm, I'm an Ennis Cantor guy. The following possession on defense lets a man go by him, commits a dumb foul, and and one. And then you're like, why is he on this team? Get him away from me. I never want to see him. Try to defend a pick and roll again. Guy got in LeBron's face, and it's the reason the Cavs came back and won that game. Why is Ennis Cantor on my basketball team? And that's, <laughs> that's really where it is with Ennis Cantor. He's very good on offense. And on defense, I kind of have to just expect that the other team's going to score. Um, I kind like going to bring him up since you guys are Bulls fans. When Derrick Rose is on my team, it was the exact same thing. Just outscore the other point guard. I know you can't defend to save your life, so just outscore the other point guard. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. That, that, You're going to give up thirty, right. score thirty points, and that's what Cantor is. Just outscore the other team's center, out rebound him if you can, because he's a very good offensive rebounder yes. and a guy that can contribute on a good team as far as an offensive rebounder is concerned, which is why I think the end game with Ennis Cantor for the Knicks is concerned. With Porzingis here, and now they're going to stretch Joe Kim Noah and he's not going to be on the team. Um, oh, why not? <laughs> probably because he doesn't want to be on the team. <laughs> No one wants him on the team anymore. Um, now that you're going to have an opening at center between Mitchell Robinson and Ennis Cantor, you can now play Cantor until Porzingis gets back, trade him for something, a second-round pick, cash considerations, whatever, a, fill our soda machines in the garden for a year. I don't care. Trade him for something. 
and then you'll be able to at least get something back at the deadline. And around that time, Porzingis will be ready to come back and play, which would then lead to you playing Porzingis for the last 25 or so games to make sure he's somewhat healthy going into next season. So that, I think, is the plan that they're going to go with for Ennis Cantor for this year. I like that. I'm I'm cool with that. So, go ahead, Sean. No, Sean, all you. Okay, okay. So, we haven't talked about the best player in your team a whole lot yet, and obviously he's hurt right now. We already now. talked about Joe Kim Noah. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, besides Mr. Joe Kim Noah, uh, you have a gentleman by the name of uh, Porzingis on your team mm-hmm. who has just been an absolute incredible NBA talent. The sheer reason they had that dumb Christmas game last year. So, um, when is he exactly slated to be back? When do you expect him to be back? And do you think he'll actually play this year at all? I do. I think do late late February, early March. Uh, by then, the Knicks will be tanking. I've seen some people say they want him to take the whole year off. And it's different with basketball, though. And I think it's more just conservative Nick fans that don't want him to come back and and get hurt again and uh, there's a little bit of PTSD of Met fan of Knicks fans that are also Mets fans and who have watched David Wright try to come back or Matt Harvey take the year off and try to come back um, <laughs> with Porzingis I think you want to see him because not for nothing he's also got a brand new coach and a brand new system <laughs> you don't true, true. learn all of that next year when he's Spent the whole year rehabbing, so he's going to be coming back from injury, learning a new system. Also, hasn't played basketball in a year and a half, so you don't know what he's going to be like physically. Like, if his game's still going to be there, so he's learning basketball again on a brand new repaired ACL. Um, I'd like to see him play the last 25 games, get all the growing pains out, and then you go into the following season, maybe with a couple of nice shiny new free agents, and you have Kevin Knox and a lottery pick and Mitchell Robinson and Frank Nilakina, and that's the plan. Like, all centered around Porzingis. Um, and that's why, like, I made that point about Cantor. I think the perfect plan is to play Cantor at power forward slash center for most of the year, and then later in the season, after you've traded him, that's the, the calling card for, all right, he's gone. We now have an opening at power forward. Porzingis, enter. And that's, that's I think, the plan they're going to go with. So you talk about a brand new system, obviously. Um, David Fisdale is coming in, who is totally a player's coach. You saw when he got fired from Memphis last year, guys like Dwayne Wade and LeBron came out and spoke and said that he was he had stuck in an unfair situation. He was kind of the um, the scapegoat of this of the Memphis situation. Uh, we did do an interview with the with the Memphis Grizzlies team beat writer, well not beat writer but blogger, and he was very happy that David Fisdale left town. My question to you is, what are your thoughts on Fisdale? It feels like he's kind of like a New York City personality. Um, he has that like big city feel. He's very confident with everything he says. I think he's the right guy for the Knicks, honestly. What, what, are, your intent, what are your expectations for what Fisdale can bring to the Knicks they haven't had in some time? Yeah, I just don't understand the hatred by Memphis for Coach Fisdale. The guy 
was the defensive coordinator, quote unquote, for Miami throughout all of those championship years. They he had that emphatic take that for data speech, which is I mean, awesome. name another thing and name another thing a coach has said that you remember that wasn't a Greg Popovich blowing off a reporter interview over the past decade. Like, no, I remember one speech in the last ten years, and it's take that for data and. That if he did that and he was the Knicks coach, we would have already built a statue to him. So, I mean, you're right. He perfectly embodies the attitude of New York of of tough and loud and arrogant. And I think he's going to bring a defensive accountability to this team. So I'm excited about Coach Fizdale. It was it was really he was the guy. If um, if Calipari wasn't available, that I wanted. Um, I know. You guys are close to Kentucky. You probably aren't the biggest fans of uh, Calipari, but uh, I just think he's a great recruiter. So whether or not he'd actually be a good coach, I think he could bring that recruiting ability to the NBA. However, I am very happy with Coach Fisdale and look forward to seeing what he is in New York. See, I do love Calipari. I won't lie. I think he's the best person in the world at selling his program. It's just the Kentucky fans we talked about that make it awful. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, they're so ignorant to how bad of a coach he is. Like he's, he's, <laughs> like he's just the talent he's accrued over the years. He's just a bad basketball coach to have one championship and four Final Fours. He should win every year with the talent he puts together, which is why Shashevsky is the actual great coach because all the talent <laughs> he's done with the one and ones, he actually creates championship teams with that. So, like that's the thing I've always noticed with Calipari teams. It's like we always find out after the fact. Oh wow, Devin Booker was really good at basketball. <laughs> Never saw that in Kentucky. Maybe because Coach Calipari was his coach, he was shooting five shots a game off the bench. So there, that's my Calipari. I do think he's a great recruiter, though. Oh, he's the I, best. Like if he brought that to the NBA, you'd all of a sudden LeBron would be like, "Listen, I had a conversation with Coach Cal, and he just convinced me that New York was the right move for me and my family, and I'm bringing." Bringing Durant and Kyrie, he patched things up being Kyrie, and somehow they'd only win forty-eight games. But I'd like to see that happen. Is all I'm saying. So, shout out Calipari, you're a great recruiter, very mediocre coach. <laughs> we gotta have you on all the time. You're, you're... <laughs> yeah, you, this is this is wonderful. I, I love this. I'm having a blast, guys. I love talking. I love talking Knicks. I love talking hoops. So, so. With all of the season previews that we've been doing, Andrew, uh, we've been uh, asking all of the the guests that have been coming on one one question, and I'm I'm sure you'll have a good answer for us because you've you've provided so much this episode. Uh, we love everything you've done so far and told us about, and your enthusiasm for this team. Um, if you were going to have one bold prediction for the 2018-19 NBA season for the New York Knickerbockers what would it be um so it's the season it's not also the off season sure sure I I, I, well no it needs to be this season season. now we'll keep the season okay a bold prediction um I think Kevin Knox wins the rookie of the year which is Ooh. a very kind of boring, bold take because a lot of people are going to predict it. Um, but I think they're going to give him the ball enough that his stats are going to be up there. Uh, I think the only real chance of who can beat him is either Aiton or Doncic. Uh, they're also going to be featured enough in both of their offenses 
so Kevin Knox will at least make all NBA first team for rookies. Um, and then he'll be, this is, this is, you said bold. So I want to, I don't want to, it feels, kind, like, feels kind of safe, man. This is safe. Okay. You know what? Frank Nilakina is making all NBA first team for defense. <laughs> oh, all right. There that, we go. That's what I was looking for, Andrew. Yeah. You guys are going to forget <laughs> the name of Kyrie, uh, of, of, of Kawhi Leonard when it comes to defense. You're going to be like, yo, this French kid in New York. Everybody that goes there, Steph Curry had five points when they went there. Frank Nilakina will become the new stopper. He will be what Darrell Rivas was to wide receivers in 2009, including Ocho Cinco. Yeah, I went there. Oh, um, really? Really? Sorry, I got got out of my got a little. You guys wanted something bold and bold <laughs> me, so I apologize. We were having fun, and I went there, but <laughs> there. Is that bold enough for you? <laughs> it's very bold. There you go. <laughs> so, Kevin Knox, who you picked for Rookie of the Year, he had a very bold thing that he said. Um, and I'll just get your opinion on this before we wrap up. His quote was, People are sleeping on us with the 29 wins. I think we can definitely get at least 35 and get in that playoff talk. I mean, I mean, it's what you want to hear. You don't want to hear him say, Yeah, 29 sounds great. I'd love to only win 29 games. Um <laughs> I think every rookie, because here's the the thing that I, I know I didn't realize this for a while until I covered college basketball in high school, like in, in college, like every college prospect that comes to the NBA, except really Markel Fultz, because Markel Fultz came from like a nine win team. But everybody that comes to the NBA and comes from college teams, they're usually really good. So they don't understand why people don't think that their NBA team is going to be really good. That's why Jaleel Okafor, going from a four-loss team at Duke, where he went undefeated in high school, then lost four college games and won a championship, to then trust the process. Like, he, he was set up to fail from day one in the NBA. And a lot of these rookies don't understand that everybody is that good. Like, they, they were the best player in high school. They were the best player in college. Now they're... A rookie again they don't know how to adapt to it so i like that kevin knox is not saying we're gonna make the playoffs and win 50 games this year and he's leveled it off to 35 um i think it's interesting he thinks 35 wins makes the playoffs also i don't <laughs> necessarily believe that i still think the eastern conference as weak as it is you still gotta win 44 games like 35 Maybe. hasn't made the playoffs since 2014 so Awesome. So, Andrew, you are terrific, man. This has been so much fun. We've loved having you on. Uh, before we close out the show, though, I know we did a little bit of it at the beginning, so please take another moment, by all means, to shout out all of your work, where people can find you social media-wise. The floor is yours, man. Absolutely. So I'm Andrew Claudio on Twitter, at Claudio underscore GSN. Uh, follow me there. You can follow Gotham Sports Network on Twitter at Gotham SN. All of our daily blogs, articles, and more at GothamSN.com. And my podcast, Nothing But Knicks, will be every week throughout the NBA season with interviews, guests, uh, discussions, brackets, countdowns, you name it. Uh, Nothing But Knicks on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch Radio, and SoundCloud. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. And uh, if you're ever in New York, we'll go to a Jets-Bengals game on me, okay? <laughs> Sounds At good. At least go to a, a sports <laughs> bar. I just realized I'd have to drive to Jersey for that. So we'll go to a bar, and uh, there's a round on me watching 
Carson Palmer out of dual. Oh, is he still the quarterback there? No, right? Andy Dalton. Yeah. I just went Carson Palmer in 2018. Sorry. <laughs> Andy Dalton against Sam Darnold. How's that? Sounds good. So this has good been list. 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com, where you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and, of course, Spotify. And check us out at 48MinutesNetwork.com, where you get all of our other previous podcasts and all of our articles. So on behalf of Sean Mackey, this is Tim Daniel, and have a good night, everyone.